Warner Brothers, welcome back to another episode of Porn and the Gospel. I am your host, Spencer Sutton, and I'm glad to be here with you. It is Sunday morning, early, and it's um, so my voice sounds a little, <clears throat> little uh, different. It hadn't woken up yet. However, I'm wide awake and excited to be here with you. And uh, it's September 12th, so yesterday was September 11th, and here in the States, that was um, 20 years since 9-11, since uh, our world's changed, and, and definitely I remember where I was, so my family, uh, brother and sister and parents and everybody, we were all texting, like, do we remember where we were? And of course we do. It was a... It was a um, something you'll never ever forget if you if you recall it and uh like if you were alive and so anyway just um i want to kick this off and just really just say man what uh, a privilege it is to live in this country to have freedom to be surrounded by men and women who are willing to sacrifice everything their lives for the sake of others, for the sake of freedom. And uh, it's a beautiful thing. Like, I mean, guys, we should never take this for granted that we have the ability to pull up a Bible on our phones and read it anytime we want to. We have the ability to, like this morning, later this morning, I'll be going to worship uh, with a group of believers at my church. And what an incredible privilege that is. Men and women died for that right. So want to honor them. And there are people in the world that want to take that away. And um, so just wanted to kick off with that because it's been um, something that uh, Allie and I were even, uh, even last night, we just made it a point to find some programs that were telling the stories from 9-11 and just watch and remember, like we don't ever want to forget that. So but that's not why we're here. We are here because we want to remember the Word of God. Never forget the Word of God. And this is, the, is going to be the whole point of this podcast is, like, how can we encourage and exhort each other and point each other to Christ? And last week, when we were looking at the root and the remedy of our porn, our problem with porn, this pit of porn, um, man, one of the, one of the remedies was to, was to exhort one another to be there for each other. And that's, those are the stories that you hear, even from nine 11 are the stories that you love are the stories where these firefighters, these emergency workers, these civilians, whoever they were, were like going and trying to get people out. They were trying to help others out and and story after story uh it's just really amazing the heroism and the um courage that a lot of people have and so here we are with eternity at stake and god's called us to be strong and courageous like we looked at in joshua and so as we move on like what i'm going to do is we're going to talk today about three types of men. And then I want you to figure out which one you are like three types of men when it comes to pornography. And when it comes to the word of God, like both of those things are, are really, really important. What we're going to highlight, which is what this podcast is all about. So I want to, I want to, I'm going to keep going in Hebrews because that's where I am. Like in my personal study, this is where I am. And I think it's extremely relevant because this was a church that was, um, facing persecution. They were facing the temptation to drift away. And so we read the Hebrew writers like, be careful, you're going to drift away. Like, don't drift away. Don't fall away. Don't fall away. And he points them back again. He uses the word of God. He uses Psalm 95 to point them back to Exodus and numbers and say, look at what the children of Israel were doing. They were falling away. They were drifting. They were putting God to the test even though it was their day of testing. And then he goes on to essentially tell us that the life we're living now, brothers, is the same as the life that the Israel was living in the wilderness. 
Like our final rest is in the promised land. Like we're not there yet. This life is a pilgrimage. We were never meant to settle down and build cities in the wilderness here on earth. <laughs> like this is not our home. And so the whole, this, like, especially these first four chapters, he's exhorting them. He's pointing them to Christ, the supremacy of Christ. Like Christ has come and he's finished his race. It is finished. It was finished on the cross. And now he sits victorious, <laughs> willing to give each one of us the help that we need. He is a great high priest. He is the better Moses. And so we're going to keep going uh, and, and we're going to get to these three types of men. But first, I just want to point us to something here, here in Hebrews 4, verse 1. He says, therefore, while the promise of entering his rest still stands, okay, there's rest. It's a promise of rest. For those of you who are listening to this podcast, who are believers, followers of Christ, we have a promise of entering his rest while it still stands. Let us fear, lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Like eternal salvation is on the line. And the language here that the writer is using is when he says have failed to reach it, it's like, it's the image of an endurance race. It's an athletic event. Like you've, you've won. You've reached the finish line. And we're going to see that later in Hebrews. He said, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. In other words, don't fall in the wilderness like so many, like an entire generation of the Israelites did. They were not united by faith is what he says in verse two. But I want us to, to, to see something like our faith, our, our life here is an endurance race. And, and it has a finish line, and it has definite rest, right? Like, this should really get us to think. I mean, so much of our life is spent trying to have instant gratification. <laughs> I want something now. I want my reward now. And we take little thought, very little thought of this long, long race that we're in. And so Peter says in second Peter one, he says, for this very reason, make every effort. Okay. When you're running a race, you are making an effort. And many of us who have been trapped in porn are not making any effort, any effort. Well, well, what, you know, how, what are the ways, what, something I always ask guys is what are the ways you've tried to be done with this. And their answer reveals a lot about the effort they're making. And, and some guys have made no effort. Some guys have made some effort. And so the question, the real question is, do we want freedom? Like, do we desperately desire freedom? So he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness, like steadfastness, another characteristic of a race, a long race and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, man, increasing, not decreasing. They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Like the purpose of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, the purpose of understanding the gospel and knowing the gospel and believing the gospel is that you would be effective and fruitful. Like God's called you to bear fruit, fruit that lasts, that endures forever, not temporary fruit. For whoever lacks these qualities, the ones that he just mentioned, is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. Like, be diligent. Make every effort. 
confirm your calling. This is what Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is saying, brothers, sisters, confirm your calling, stand to the end, keep running the race, don't drift away, don't fall away like the children of Israel did. And then, and then he goes on, and, and I just want to make a point real quick, another point, like this, this race is not solo. So we've already seen this, exhort one another, exhort one another. Let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach it. Like this, is, this is a team endurance sport. This is a team endurance sport. So the question, am I running the race well? Am I persevering under trials and temptations? I was just talking with a brother this morning um, through an app that we use. And I was just, you know, he was expressing some things that were going on in his life and in his marriage. And man, I just, I just wanted to encourage him. Like, I was like, man, I've been there. I have been there. I've been on the brink of losing my marriage and brother, 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 keep fighting, like keep going, keep running the race, keep trusting, keep having faith in him, keep reading the word, submitting to the word. Oh man, how we need this. So am I running the race well? Is my faith genuine? Is my faith genuine? And then the next question is, Am I considering the faith and salvation of others as valuable as my own? Like, do I have a genuine desire to see my brothers persevere through trials? Or am I more concerned about making sure I avoid trials here? I mean, I was just thinking, and when I was reading this and thinking about this, I was thinking about this book that I've read a couple of times called Lone Survivor. I know it's been made into a movie. I've seen the movie. The book is 100 times better. <laughs> so, but um, it's just about these soldiers that were behind these, these four brothers that were behind enemy lines. And they were on a, they were Navy SEALs on a special ops mission. And man, when they got um, found out, uh, the entire Taliban army at, in that location, like 200 came after them and they got in this fierce firefight. And I mean, they were in the fight of their life, bullets flying everywhere, hit with bullets, still dragging their brothers. Like they were, they would not leave them behind. And then what happened once word got back, once word got back that there was that they were in danger, they were under enemy fire. What happened? Well, they loaded up choppers and went after them. And, and there were guys on those choppers that did not even have to go, but they went. They were like, I'm not going to sit here at base while my brothers are at war. Like, we need each other. We need each other. Our brothers' lives are at stake. So now let's get on to what we're, what we're really here for. And I just want to, I want to talk about this because it's vitally important. So we're going we're gonna to keep going down in um, Hebrews. Sorry, I'm having to turn to it. Hebrews 4, 11 through 13. So then he's in key keeps on encouraging us. And he says, let us therefore, this is verse 11, strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. Again, pointing them back, pointing them back, Psalm 95, Exodus, Numbers. And then he has these beautiful words, which you probably have all heard, 12 and 13, for the word of God is living and actor, active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Why does he say, like, we love to take this passage and, and use it when we're talking about the word of God, which it is like, well, this is a beautiful, these two verses are incredible. We need to put them to memory, but what he's really doing, he's emphasizing what he's been saying in the first three chapters, which he's, he's kept pointing them to 
prophecy about Christ. He's pointing them to David saying, don't harden your heart. Like, look at the Israelites, look at what they did. And so he's, he's saying the word of God that I'm quoting from Psalm 95, which is essentially looking back at Exodus and numbers is living and active in church. When he's writing this a thousand years further from when David wrote Psalm 95, he's saying church, what David wrote still holds true to us because this word, it doesn't get old. It's alive. It's active. And this word for them, this word that David wrote about the Israelites is for us church, church, this Hebrew church. And then guess what guys church it's 2021 it's September 12th brothers. This word is for us. And we know this, we know this, this word is for us. And so he, he keeps pointing them back to Christ and to the word of God and saying, Hey, listen, guys, we can't escape the truth of God's word. Like pay attention to what has gone on with the Israelites and, and pay attention to the words of God. No creature is hidden from his sight. Everyone's naked and exposed. Like we're going to have to give an account. And so here are the three types of guys that I want to talk with you about. Three types of men in the world today, especially when it comes to pornography. And the question is, which one are you? And I'm going to pull examples from the word for each one of them, because I want us to like, want us to get crystal clear on this. And this is just an examination of your heart, just like it's an examination of my heart, because I don't think like I, <laughs> I, I need this like every single day. And I need to be asking myself this every single day, which one am I, which man am I? So number one, the first type of man is the man who ignores God's word. Okay. I'm, I'm going, I'm thinking back to, to what we just read about the word of God is active. It's living. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It, it doesn't have a dull point on it. Like it pierces, it pierces our conscience. It pierces through our hearts. It exposes us. It exposes every motive that we have. Nobody is hidden from it. Nobody. Like we may want to run and hide like Adam and Eve, but nobody is hidden. When God was walking in the garden and said, where are you? He didn't, he didn't lose them. He was just being tender and gentle. So number one, the man who ignores the word, who thinks it's not relevant or they don't understand it or they don't take it seriously. Like this man would rather hear a funny story from his pastor than the truth of God's word. So is this you? So the man who ignores God's word. And so I was thinking, okay, who in scripture ignored God's word that I can point to? And the person I was thinking of was Samson. Samson. Like an angel visited his parents and said, Hey, this son that you're going to have is he's going to, he needs to, uh, you, you know, like this Nazarite, he's going to be a Nazarite. Okay. So this Nazarite vow means that he doesn't cut his hair. He doesn't drink wine. He doesn't do all this stuff. And then on top of all, all of the other things that, um, that the Israelites were supposed to obey, <laughs> Samson didn't care. So let's look at some of this. Samson went down. This is Judges 14. Samson went down to Timnah, and at Timnah, he saw one of the daughters of the Philistines. Then he came up and told his father and mother, I saw one of the daughters of the Philistines at Timnah. Now get her for me as my wife. It's like, this is a, this is a huge fail on his part. Not, not an Israelite. Don't find me an Israelite, go get this pagan woman. Cause I see her and she is good looking and that's who I want to be my wife. 
But his father and mother said to him, is there not a woman among the daughters of your relatives or among all our people that you must go and take a wife from the uncircumcised Philistines? But Samson said to his father, get her for me, for she's right in my eyes. His father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord, for he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines at the time the Philistines ruled over Israel. Now, this Judges is a beautiful book. I read a, read a, uh, read a book by Tim Keller. It's just a commentary on Judges, and it, man, will blow you away. So some things to point out here. Like when I'm thinking of Samson, he ignored the word of God. He didn't care that he should be marrying somebody from within his own people. He was sexually motivated, and we know this. We know this, and we read the rest of his story. He was motivated by lust, and he didn't care what God said. He didn't even care what his parents said. Like Now, today, it may not seem like a big deal for kids to be disrespectful for, to their parents, but back then, this was a major issue, major issue. So things that we need to understand about this story is that Samson found her in Timnah, like this is deep in Israelite territory. And, and it, the, the Philistines had so infiltrated the land that they were living there and there wasn't a war. Like they were at peace with their enemies. As a matter of fact, they were rulers. Like Samson didn't think anything of marrying somebody like this. And for the people of Israel, there's no, there's no resistance to their enslavement, right? If you read earlier, and if you go through the book of Judges, what you see is you see the cycle of the judges, is what Tim Keller calls it. And it's just this captivity and groaning out, and they cry out to the Lord. The Lord raises up a judge, and he saves them. And then they get complacent again, they compromise, they're captured, they call out to God, they cry out to God and they're in their slavery and they're just miserable and they're like, God, save us from our enemies. Well, by the time we get to Judges 14, they don't care. They've become at peace with their enemies. Like there's no resistance, right? And and so it's, it's just really interesting because it's started to change their culture. And isn't this true of the church today? <laughs> We've just become so at peace with everything around us. So the Israelites don't groan or resist their captors, their enemies, because they've completely adopted all of their practices. They're worshiping their same idols. And so what's a beautiful part of this passage here is verse four, his father and mother did not know that it was from the Lord. For he was seeking an opportunity against the Philistines. God is a God of war, and he is not going to let his people just sit idly by and adopt the culture of the world. He's going to stir up trouble. Michael Whitlock says this, he says, there's no such thing as harmonious coexistence between the church and the world. For where there is no conflict, it is because the world has taken over. So Samson, like a characteristic of Samson is he ignored the word of God. He was impulsive. He was completely a sensual man. Like in the most basic definition of the term, his senses controlled him. He reacts how he feels about what he sees. He does this. He's impulsive. Total lack of self-control. Whatever he sees, he takes. If he's angry, he acts on it. This is the characteristic of a man who ignores God's word. And so the question is, are you that man? Have you just ignored the word of God and you just don't care? And you're so at peace with the enemy that you don't go to war. You start adopting all of the practices of the world. You look just like the world. I can raise my hand and say, yeah. Okay. I've done that. I've been there. Definitely been there. Have you, or are you? 
Okay. Second man. The man who intentionally hides from God's word. So not, not necessarily ignoring it, but hiding from it. And so I'm thinking back to my own story, and I'm thinking back to the summer of 2013. And I may have mentioned it on the podcast earlier, but David Platt, our pastor, was preaching on sexual immorality in the church, and I was in the middle of it like right in the middle of it. And man, I didn't want to hear that for anything. I didn't want to hear it. Like I had compartmentalized, like, this is what we do guys. Sorry. I had to get a drink of water. This is what we do guys. We compartmentalize our sin. We're very good at that. And we keep it separated from the rest of our life and just say, well, this is something I deal with over here. And as long as I'm not dealing with this, I, I, can, I can have harmony over here. And so we don't experience this massive cognitive dissonance because if we did, then only one of two things can happen. We either come back to our belief and value system or we become somebody else. And so on the outside during my, like, during all of this that I was going through on the outside, I was, I looked like the good Christian, but it was only because I had compartmentalized my sin. And so Peter warns us, second Peter one nineteen, he says, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. So he's saying, you know what the old Testament is? Well, it's been confirmed all these prophecies about Christ we have a, the, the word confirmed, like Jesus came, we know him, we've seen him, we've touched him, he died for our sins, so we have the gospel, to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place, and that's what the, God, that's what the word of God does, it is a light shining in dark places when we're exposed to it. But men who are struggling with sexual sin, they're either ignoring it, man number one, or number two, they're hiding from it or pretending to hide from it. It's like we're playing hide and go seek as a kid. Like, remember when you played hide and go seek as a kid? I remember running around the neighborhood. So fun. But we're like that. And and I remember running and hiding and being in a hiding place. And inevitably your friend had the same idea and he would run over and, and have the same idea to be in the same place. And you would freak out because you didn't want, you didn't want him to give you away. Like, get out of here, get out of here. And I remember doing that. And we just, and it was so much fun. You're so scared of being found out. Like there was, you were scared because a lot of times you couldn't see where the person was looking. Maybe you could hear them, but you couldn't see. And so you were scared that they would find you. And this is what we do. We're scared. We don't want the word of God to find. We don't want the word of God to shine its light on us. But Peter's saying, you would do well to let it shine in dark places. Maybe, maybe even a better illustration that I can give you is a baby, a two-year-old who covers their eyes with their hands and believes that they're really hiding. They're playing peekaboo. And we play along with them. Like, ah, you're hiding. Where, where's Mary Ryan? That's what I used to do with my daughter. Where's Mary Ryan? Where's Mary Ryan? She'd cover her face. I couldn't see her. Like, like I couldn't see her. And that's what we try to do with God. We're standing right in front of him, covering, covering our eyes. God can't find me. He can't see me. Listens to the words of Jesus here, John 3, 19. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So there's two types of people, those who don't come out into the light and those who come into the light. And men who are 
indulging in sexual immorality and pornography are hiding in the shadows. We don't want the things that we're doing to be clearly seen. Someone once said, the most powerful man in the room is the man with nothing to hide. Paul, listen to Paul, what Paul says in Romans 13. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep. I hope that this podcast does that. I hope that, I hope that the word of God wakes men up. Not me. I can't do it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to point you to the word, but I hope that it wakes you from your sleep. And this is what Paul says for salvation is nearer to us than when we first believed. the night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us walk or live properly as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Brothers, wake up, come into the light, come into the light. You think you're hiding, you think what you're doing is in secret, but it's not. The word of God is active. It's living. It sees you. It knows you. It knows every intention, every thought. And that should humble us. I had a brother ask me this week about the fear of the Lord. He's like, I just don't know if I, like, what is the fear of the Lord? I don't know if I have the fear of the Lord. And I'm like, man, this is just, this is who we are. It's our culture. <laughs> We don't know what it is to fear the Lord, but when we really think about it, if we sat and thought about every intention of every thought, every intention of my heart is laid bare before God, like the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And man, God, you know me. I'm sitting here and, and I can look back and say, hey, you know what? I haven't looked at porn or masturbated since 2018. And yet not every thought or every motive is pure, which should, which should humble me and keep me awake and keep me striving and keep me from drifting because I know I'm, I'm liable to drift. But the truth is, brothers, if this is you, if you're man number two who intentionally hides from God's word and does not come into the light then and, and I just want to say, some of you will need a massive collision by God to wake you up. You either wake up or he will wake you up. Some of you listening know what you need to do, yet you hide in the dark, hoping that no one finds you. And I want you to know, I want you to hear that God is gracious and merciful and patient with us. And this collision that is coming for you is going to be rough. There will be consequences and there will be collateral damage all over the place. Wife, kids, friends, family, reputation. But I want you to see it as an act of love from a father who is gentle and patient. I mean, not thinking about my own life, guys. I had many opportunities to do what I know I needed to do, which was to raise my hand and say, I want to get well. To mean it and to do whatever was necessary to get well. I could have, I could have, I could have dodged this collision from 2013. I could have could have spared my wife from so much pain and agony, and yet I didn't. I just kept hiding, kept hiding. But I want you to know that collision is coming, but you need to see this collision as an act of love. 
later on in the Hebrews, we're going to talk about what that looks like. It's, it's described as discipline from the Lord. And he's, and he's saying, you, you, you fathers, you, every one of us had fathers who disciplined us because they loved us. And he says in verse 10 of 12, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So brothers, when the collision comes, humble yourself. Praise God for it. Like 2013, had God not collided with me in a massive way, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. I wouldn't have my wife. We've been married for 25 years. God in his grace collided with me. And his whole point, the whole purpose is that we share in his holiness so that we can produce fruit. You know, I started the podcast just talking about 9-11, this 20th anniversary. Do you remember, like, guys, if you're old enough to remember this country on September 12th, 20 years ago, things were different for us. Things were different. We woke up. Two worlds collided on September the 11th. Two worlds collided. One nation who thought we were all at peace and everything was good, just going about our lives, and another nation, another group of terror and people who thought they were at war. And when our worlds collided on that day, that horrible day, everything changed for us. We woke up. We woke up. We saw the enemy for who they were. And so, guys, spiritually speaking, lives are at stake. Your life is at stake. My life is at stake. Brothers who you love, their lives are at stake. We need to wake up. All right. So those are the first two. And then the third one, the third one that we need to look at. This is the man of God who is desperate to hear God speak. This is the man who opens up his soul and begs God to transform him, his desires, everything about him. First man ignores the word of God. Second man tries to hide from God's word tries to hide from the word of God, and the third man is desperate for God's word. So who can we look at in scripture? We can look at a lot of people. We can look at a lot of people, but I want to talk about this story of this king. He was the boy king. I think he became king at eight years old. His name's Josiah, and we read about him in 2 Kings 22 and 23. And he, yeah, so he was eight years old. He became king. His father was a wicked man and was assassinated. But then the people put his assassins to death. And then they put him on the throne. They put Josiah on the throne. And so it says in the 18th year of his reign, he, he, what he did was he was like, Hey, this temple over here, like we have a lot of temples in the land, but this temple, this big temple, this to the, to the, God is in disrepair. So I, I want you guys to go over there, take some money, get some laborers and fix this thing up. And at the time there was all kinds of wickedness going on in the land. It was crazy, like witchcraft, child sacrifice, cult prostitution. I mean, not, not dissimilar to our day today, right? But something happened. Something happened when they were cleaning out the temple. They're getting ready to repair it. They found the word of God, the law. And so Hilkiah was the high priest at the time, and he gave it to Shaphan, who was the secretary, and he read it before the king, who was at this time, I think, 26 years old. 
So he's a young guy. Second Kings 22, eight says, and Hilkiah, the high priest said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan and he read it. Now, something that we need to, um, that I, that I want to talk about real quick, just right here is that we have to understand the book of the law was there the whole time. The temple of the Lord was there the whole time. The people had ignored it the whole time. Okay, so they had ignored the word of God. They didn't want to hear the word of God because you know why? Because it convicts us of our sin. And so it was left there, like as if it were lost. And don't we do the same thing? There was even a high priest. When we see Hilkiah was the high priest, there was even a high priest there. Yet the land was in chaos. Everywhere you looked in Israel, chaos, chaos. And this was true in my own life. Like I had the word of God. I had access, yet I wasn't believing and I wasn't acting on it. I wasn't obeying it. But if you looked at me, you would never know. You would never know. right? I had it. And, and really I even read it and I believed parts of it, but the fruit of my life was proof that I did not believe it completely. I was okay with letting the light of God shine into some of my life. When the word of God says, care for the poor check. When the word of God says, go to church, worship with believers, check. When the word of God says, teach the word, check, doing all of those things. But I wanted to keep this double-edged sword away from my idols that was hiding in the deep, deep corners of my heart. But Josiah, what about Josiah? Well, Josiah was different. So I'm going to read just some of these things because it's beautiful. This is in 2 Kings 22, and I'm, then I'm going to get into 2 Kings 23. Then Shaphan, the secretary, told the king, Hilkiah, the priest, has given me a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. Like, this was an act of repentance. And then he gathered these guys, and he said, in verse 13, go inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that it is written concerning us. And so he went and inquired of the Lord and the Lord came back and gave judgment. And then he said this in verse 18 and 19, but to the King of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, thus you shall say to him, this is what the Lord says, the God of Israel, regarding the words that you have heard, because your heart was penitent and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard how I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they should become a desolation and a curse, and you have torn your clothes and wept before me. I also have heard you, declares the Lord. This was good news. This was the mercy and the grace of God. And so what happened? What did Josiah do? What made him a man of God? What made him a man of God? Well, he took action. And the king stood by the pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to walk after the Lord, to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart and his, all his soul to perform the words of the covenant that were written in this book. And all the people joined in the covenant. Joined in the covenant. And so I'm going to go to second. Kings here, 23. So what happened? What happened? He made a covenant before the Lord. So he promised the Lord, things are going to change. You have woken me up. Like I'm awake now. God, you have woken me up. And so because you've woken me up, things are changing here. I have seen your word. I've heard your word. I believe your word. And so now I'm going to take mass, massive action. Isn't this what James warns about? Don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers also. Yeah, it is. 
So what does he do? Well, I just went in my Bible. I just underlined everything that like every action that he took, man, he went and he brought out out of the temple of the Lord vessels that were made for Baal and Asherah. Like these were in the temple. He burned them outside of Jerusalem. He deposed the priest. He brought out the Asherah from the house of the Lord. He burned it at the Brook Kidron. He broke down the houses of the male cult prostitutes who were in the house of the Lord. Oh my goodness, guys. We are the temple of the Lord. You and I are the temple of the Lord. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? He broke down the high places. Verse 10, he defiled Topeth, whatever that is. Oh, which is in the valley of the son of Hemnon, that no one might burn his son or daughter as an offering to Molech. I mean, things were ridiculous. It was chaos. He removed the horses that had been dedicated to the sun. He burned the chariots of the sun with fire. He pulled down and broken pieces and cast the dust into the brook of Kidron, the two courts of the house of the Lord or whatever, um, the altars that Manasseh had made. And the king defiled the high places that were east of Jerusalem. Verse 14, he broke in pieces the pillars and cut down the ashram and filled their places with the bones of men, like defiled them. He pulled down and burned what did he, the altar at Bethel, he also burned the Asherahs. And then he sent and took the bones out of the tombs and burned them on the altar and defiled it. And Josiah removed all the shrines also of the high places. And he sacrificed all the priests of the high places who were there. He put away the mediums and the necromancers and the household gods and the idols and all the abominations that were seen in the land of Judah and in Jerusalem, that he might establish the words of the law that were written in the book of Hilkiah, the priest found in the house of the Lord. Wow. Wow. Brothers, we, we need to approach the word of God like Josiah. It says this in verse 25, before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his might, according to all the law of Moses, nor did any like him arise after him. Was Josiah perfect? No, he wasn't. Keep reading. Are you perfect? No. Am I perfect? No. Is your pastor perfect? No. But you're one of these three men. Which one, which one are you? Are you the man who ignores the word of God? Are you the man who hides from the word of God? Or are you the man who is desperate to hear and follow the word of God? Maybe a more important question for you is this. Which man do you want to be? Which man do you want to become? So here, here Hebrews. Let us strive to get through this life. <laughs> Let us strive, let us work, let us toil. This is not our home. This is a pilgrimage. We're wandering, we're working. Oh, but it's joy. It's joy. It's joy. That's the thing you realize. I was talking with a brother the other night, Friday night, he and I were having a conversation and he said, you know, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm always going to struggle and I was like, man, that is a story you're telling yourself. Listen, that's not the truth. The truth is God will release you from this pit of pornography. And he will sustain you. He will sustain you. He will give you the power to walk in purity. 
Are you seeking it? Do you desire it? Are you willing to do whatever is necessary? Are you willing to do whatever is necessary? This is an easy question to ask, a very difficult question to answer. Most men who are struggling with pornography say, yes, I'm willing to do whatever. And then when you tell them this is whatever, they go, ah, no, nah, well, not that. No, nah, not that. Anything but that. <clears throat> I don't want the light going in that place. Don't want the light in that dark place. Let me keep that dark place. Brothers, which man are you and which man do you want to become? All right, guys, that is it. If I can ever do anything for you, shoot me an email, Spencer at never, uh, Spencer, I was about to say never thirst water. <laughs> no, Spencer at naturalpornkiller.com. Man, if this has encouraged you at all, would you leave a review? I would greatly appreciate it. And whatever, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, um, I would appreciate it because it helps other people find it. And brothers, we know this is a massive, massive issue in the church and we need each other. Like we can't get out alone. So brothers, leave a review. I encourage you to share it with people. Um, people who are walking in freedom, people who are struggling, whatever, doesn't matter, share it. And um, I will be back with you next week. Also, you can tell me if you would rather have shorter episodes and maybe more episodes or keep it like this once a week. Um, and really, literally, what I'm doing is I'm just sharing what what I've been studying. And so, um, but it's, it's definitely relevant to all of us, to all, all guys who are struggling with pornography. But let me know, and I'll see you guys next week.